0: One of my favorite segments, without question, a little off the record, on the record, with uh, the great Joe Campolo, managing partner of the law firm Campolo Middles and McCormick. Don't forget the full locations in Nassau County and Westbury, right on Post Avenue. And then, of course, you got the Staple right in Ronconcoma, Bridgehampton, and newly formed uh, a couple of months now in. Is that uh, almost three months in? How about that? Is that uh, in Riverhead? And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, what do you mean off the record, on the record? Joe does a great blog. you got to check it out. Uh, off the record, uh, he calls it. And thus uh, comes on the show, and we go on the record. Off the record, on the record. Mr. Campolo, it is always a pleasure, even in tough times.
1: Hey, Jake. How are we doing today, brother?
0: I'm hanging in, my friend, you know, like everyone else. Uh, and I say that because, uh, you know, what else is there to do but hang in and Look for rays of light and hope, which we know this uh, story is never the same. Uh, day in, day out, uh, we get new information. Uh, we might take a step back on a particular day, where the hope is maybe to go a couple forward, though the next day. That's all you can ask, you know.
1: Yeah, it's it's truly it's truly been been fascinating, Jay. So we talk every two weeks uh, on the record here, and so the last. Two segments. The last four weeks, it's been just unbelievable from uh, you know from from our vantage point here. Not even just from uh, you know from a, from personal vantage point, but from a business uh, vantage point. Let me give you some you know some context. So in March, uh, so four weeks ago, and 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 towards the end of March, we actually had a pretty strong March. The firm actually did pretty well in March, but then all of a sudden, towards the end of it it was um extreme panic started extreme panic started because uh we had no control over um the coronavirus and and i can vividly remember you know uh, the president at his press conferences is, is pretty jovial sometimes and uh, and but there was a day in the march where um he he basically said we're going to we're going to we could be potentially facing millions of, of deaths and he was shaken up i remember he was shaken up and that was just such a panicked time, uh, I think for, for everyone, such an uncertain panicked time in terms of safety for life, right? And it was such a dark period, uh, cause here we are, uh, in our homes, not knowing what's going on and not knowing how much death is going to be occurring. Uh, two, so that's four weeks ago. Two weeks ago when we spoke, um, it looked like, uh, in, 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 Thank God that the American people responded the way that we responded. Uh, it looked like we staved off those those numbers because everybody immediately social distanced and uh, and, and went into quarantine and, and did the right things. And, and really, uh, you know, the American people don't get enough credit for uh, for doing that because that could have went anyway. That could have went anyway. People could have just massively rioted. I mean, it could have just went anyway. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, people did that, and that's great. So two weeks ago, those numbers seemed to become more manageable. But the economic, um, you know, destruction uh, then became something that we had to deal with. And as small and medium-sized businesses, particularly here on Long Island, where, uh, where this virus is still uh, killing people uh, regularly and daily, uh, that created the next wave of complete and utter um, panic because it's it's devastating. It's absolutely devastating small and mid-sized businesses. And then the uh, the PPP loan program uh, opened up, and um, you know that that stress and uncertainty um, has hit the business community. And some businesses got it, and some businesses didn't get it. Uh, we didn't get it the first round, which was uh, which was devastating to learn, quite frankly. Um, and that makes it incredibly. Stressful and difficult to, uh, to come up with a plan, uh, and so now here we are uh, today. It's two weeks later, and there's just there's just no way to make a plan. If you're a business owner, there is no way to make a plan right now because the economic uncertainty is uh, is, is is worse than I've ever seen in my entire uh, career. You know the the IMF is calling for a global depression, not a recession. A global depression. We have the thing about the economy is we have no idea where uh, the dominoes fall and what the impact is when they when they fall. Um, and so this, I talk to business owners. See the the, the stress and trauma J gets so um, impactful to me because it's not just trying to deal with my own business and coming up with a plan for my own business. My entire career, more than 25 years has been with business owners. I I represent business owners and they've come to rely on me. And so I spend my days all day talking to other business owners who just have no idea how to save their businesses right now. They just have no idea. And, uh, and you know, I carry that with me greatly. I've, I've, I've known these people and represented these people for more than 20 years. So there's a certain tone deaf nature, I think that goes on, um, out there. Not understanding the incredible stress and pressure right now that people have in the business community to uh, to try and save their businesses, try and save their livelihood, and I think that's the huge tension now today that we're seeing, particularly with states wanting to open up and getting pressure to open up, and people trying to get to open up. It's an incredible pressure because for business owners, they don't understand how you know elected officials who are Still getting their pay still getting their benefits aren't letting people go thank god because those people thank god they're not losing their jobs but we as business owners you know no ticky no surety Jay. no no clients no revenue we saw our revenue decline from march to april to if we're lucky half but it may be more lucky that we're gonna do a third because people can't pay they don't they don't have money to pay right now anything that's not essential And May and June, that trend is going to continue here on Long Island. And so there's, you know, life is absolutely critical. Saving lives are absolutely critical. But the the conversation has to immediately turn to how are we saving this economy? How are we saving these jobs, Jay? Because I'm very, very worried that we're going to act too late. So the same way there's a lot of criticism out there about acting too late uh, in responding to the coronavirus, and I don't know if they did or they didn't, that's for the scientists to, to hash out. Um, every single day that goes back, every single day that's delayed in terms of trying to help revive the economy is, uh, is a week or a month of a setback because of that lag, because of the domino effect that's out there. And people need to understand, people need to absolutely understand the amount of pain that's in the small to mid-sized business community right now because it's it's extreme and we need to start focusing on recovery of the economy i understand the health considerations i'm not saying to ignore the health considerations but we have to do both now uh, because it is going to be almost impossible for these small to mid-sized businesses to recover long term if we don't
0: i agree um uh, you know It's dire. It's absolutely dire. We know so many businesses who haven't gotten a penny yet, so off kilter. And, you know, we we were one of the first, you know, we had on people that told us firsthand that these lenders were cherry picking of who was going to get the, uh, you know, the top funding as far as top of the list. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's completely uh, off balance the way they're rolling this out. Uh, I don't even know if businesses are going to be able to stay afloat. Uh, they haven't received round one yet, much less round two. Uh, there should be something in this thing that is strictly Main Street US of A stimulus. That's it. Does not go to the uh, individual who has seven uh, restaurants. Uh, it's 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 completely out of whack and unfair. You couple that with the unemployment deal uh, in which they are completely overwhelmed. Crashing sites. I understand they had to hire more people. But listen, it's it's a situation right now and you can understand the protesters I'll tell you one thing uh, I watch these briefings every day I'm ar- around the clock okay I watch the governor I watch the president I, I check in with the county execs here uh, you know for the most part they're doing a pretty good job I listen I've voted the government the governor as far as how he's going about his business here he's been a leader there's a couple of things lately I have not liked I did not like what I heard from the governor yesterday in which a reporter, you know, was telling him of a situation of protesters outside the Capitol building in Albany, uh, where they were um, present yesterday. And I didn't like the answer. People are dying to get back to their jobs. They need to put food on the table for their families. And I got a snide answer from our leader. Tell him to to get a job in an essential business. I mean, come on. Uh, That's not an answer right now. I'd like to get a little bit more compassionate type of answer in that regard you know something like listen we're all in this together we got to hold the line here we got to open up business and we will open up business when it's safe to do so and i've been saying all along testing 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 the three t's testing tracing targeting or testing uh tracing isolation whatever you want to call it we got to make sure we have ramped up the testing without question. I'm in favor of opening up Main Street slowly, accurately, safely, but at least show signs that we can open up a little bit here. I don't want to wait until May 15th. Joe, we can't afford to wait until May 15th, in my opinion. We have to open up sectors slowly, safely. we got to show the people that there is a little bit of light here at this dark tunnel that we're all going through right now. Because if we don't, I don't know what we're going to encounter. I didn't like that answer from the governor yesterday regarding, go get a job. Tell him to go get a job at an essential business. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a terribly
1: tone-deaf answer, Jay. I mean, here, here's the situation that us business owners find ourselves in. The government asked us to stay home and shut down our businesses, which we did. We we did because the governor and the the president asked us to do that to help save lives, and we did. Okay, And, and now we're the ones that are paying the price. This isn't about lost profits. We're not greedy banks that are worried about losing some of our profits. We are going to lose what we've spent our entire adult careers building. People are losing their jobs to go on unemployment for crumbs. Okay, there will be no economy to build back here locally, small to mid-sized businesses, if we're not saved. So people can't wrap their heads around, and I understand this. They can't wrap their heads around the fact that we did what the government told us to and shut our businesses down. Okay, and now the government is telling us that there are just some random hopes that some people might get funded. This PPP program, I, I applaud the amount of dollars that are being put out there to try and revive the economy. I know there needs to be a national plan to be able to do it. But to be honest, Jay, I'm sick over the entire way it was administered. Okay, the lion's share of those dollars should have been allocated to businesses, okay, that are in the hot spots. that clearly have a much more difficult time to revive themselves. It should have been earmarked for businesses that are losing revenue. It makes me sick to my stomach to be reading about all these businesses that are doing just fine, have strong balance sheets, aren't laying anybody off, are doing just fine, but still got these dollars. Just the way the president criticized Harvard University for taking funds, they should be looking at all these businesses that haven't had a drop in revenue. Drop in revenue should have been another metric that should have been used to be allocating these PPP funds. Okay, And the third thing is it should have been done On a pro rata basis, it shouldn't be first come, first serve, because now I find myself and and hundreds of thousands of business owners find themselves in a situation where the government shut us all down. Okay, and now some people get to survive and some people don't. And that's absolutely, absolutely unconscionable and unfair and not the right way to do it. So I understand, and I totally understand. Listen, I'm I'm always an optimist. I always think people are doing their best and trying their best. But the way this entire program was rolled out um, is just it's just totally inequitable. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me the way it was done. Okay, and so that's a problem. The number the number two problem is so so that's on a federal level, and I and I get that. The number two problem is, I agree wholeheartedly. The, the governor is totally tone deaf to wanting to get business open. And I understand. I understand his position. I understand that on his watch, this state got hit so hard and people are dying. And he takes that very personally. And, I, and I'm empathetic to him about that. I really am. I understand it. Okay? But, you know, he has become obsessed, obsessed with the health care aspect of it, as he, as he should in the beginning. Okay, and there's no economic advisors, and what we need to start seeing at his press conferences are the economic advisors talking about how we're going to be reopening this state. Business owners need some hope right now.
0: uh, There's a lot of ambiguity. Uh, i got to tell you, Joe, everything you said was spot on without question. Uh, i got to tell you something. Uh, Joe, you still with me? Yeah, I'm here. All right, I thought I lost you for a second. I'll tell you the the other thing that bothered me in the last day or two of these briefings, you know, was these nursing homes. I can't understand it. I got to tell you, I am so aggravated with Howard Zucker, the uh, state health commissioner. (coughs) Excuse me. Because I can't figure it out. Yesterday, I hear the governor say, well, the nursing homes are not state operated. They're run by the corporations. They're, run, they're, they're basically their own entity. And then a day or two prior, the, because of the, the death rate, and we were one of the first on this, Joe, you know, Pecanic kind of Land in Greenport, what, nine deaths, plenty of staff infected here, atria, 10 locations in and around, 16 or 17 deaths, over 50 infected staff plus. I mean, it goes on and on and on here.
1: Okay. In early March, the first weekend in early March, when this when this all started to bubble up, um, I was in Florida and th- was reading the news, and we actually cut our trip short and came back because I could see kind of where this thing was going. And but as it was bubbling up and saying that, that this is really strickening or, or hitting the senior community very hard, I texted my sisters because my grandmother is a hundred years old and she's in an assisted living facility, and I texted them and I said have they locked down uh, the facility? And my sister said, no, I was just in there yesterday, and there's visitors and everything else. And I remember at that particular moment saying, what is going on? Wouldn't that be the first thing that everybody would do, is to say, okay, it's going to impact senior citizens, so let's let's make sure all the senior communities are protected first. But we didn't. And that's the Achilles heel of everything, and that's the problem with politics here, okay? And the governor knows that that's that's been his biggest mistake in all of this. He knows that. And again, it, it's not. It's, it's just because everybody did their best, but nobody knew. Nobody knew what we were dealing with. And he knows that that's his Achilles' heel here. And this all gets into this all gets into this nonsense that goes on uh, between the president and the governor, both uh, narcissistic, egotistical people, over who who's in charge and who's not in charge. And it's so silly the way both of them have uh, have played this, okay? Because one can't do it without the other. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of our system, our federalist system, okay? The federal government has to look at a federal strategy. So they have to be looking at how do I make sure that each state is getting the resources that it needs? And the governors have to implement within their state So for the president to say he has absolute authority, he doesn't, and and he he knows that. What he's really saying is, we control the purse. You're going to need me for your dollars. And he wants people to be gracious and kiss his ring. That's just his thing. I think it's kind of weird, but that's his thing. Okay, and for the governor to then come out and say, we're in charge. The, the, The president's not the king, and we're in charge. The states have the absolute right to make the decisions, and that's it. It's silly. Because they can't do it without federal funding. They can't do it without federal support. So we're stuck, uh, again, good Americans, hardworking Americans, business owners are stuck, especially here in New York, with two of the biggest egos on the planet who have to work together. They have to work together. And you can't cherry pick. You can't say, well, the state's in charge of this but not in charge of this. And you can't say, the federal government can't say, well, I'm going to give New York the pro-rata amount as I'm going to give the other states that aren't impacted. We need the governor and the president to get, get over themselves and sit down and start to work together on this. Now, we saw that with the governor going to Washington about testing, which I think is incredibly important because testing seems to be a big part of it. Okay. But we need to, we need to stop politics right now. I don't think people understand how much trouble New York is in because we got ourselves somehow into a situation where we are the hottest spot on the globe in terms of this virus, our economy is getting crushed, absolutely crushed, okay? And we're now in a position where we just don't know how to open up the economy anymore because we're in such a hot spot that if we do it too quickly, this virus is going to start ramping back up again and we'll be sitting back in our houses doing nothing again, okay? We are in an incredibly tough spot. And I don't want to hear the politics anymore. I don't want the egos anymore. I don't want passing the bucks. I want the greatest minds in the world focused on how New York, the greatest economy in the United States, New York State, has. How are we getting this moving again? Okay, we understand the health considerations. Nobody's saying open it up and ignore the health considerations. But how do we get this economy built while being mindful of the health considerations? And that's where the discussion has to be, Jay. Because it's really getting more difficult every single day we go down this path.
0: Hundred percent, Joe pull off the record uh, on the record. Joe, stand by. Short break, and I mean short. We'll come back off the record on the record right after this. All right, we're back. Joe pull off the record uh, on the record. And one last thing on the nursing homes and and listen, that's why I think you know Zucker just is clueless, really is. And, and you know, not just on this particular topic. Uh, but I, I observe him very closely, uh, Joe, over these brief- briefings. He's he's not very definitive in his approach, his answers and everything else. I have very little confidence in the health commissioner, especially, you know, defending a directive that requires these homes to readmit residents who have tested positive for the virus. And then the governor, of course, revealed he didn't know what the policy was if it was in place. Uh, that's not a good sign. Uh, At least tell us something. If you're readmitting somebody back into the venue again, is it it, uh, quarantined off? Is Is there a separate section for those patients that have tested positive? Give us an idea. Give me a plan, especially if you look at the number of deaths and a quarter of the deaths are that of nursing facilities. Give me something here. Don't tell me that the state has nothing to do with it. It's the, it's the re- most ludicrous answer I heard throughout this pandemic. I, I couldn't believe I was listening to this garbage yesterday. Nobody has a clue. They want to pass the buck. I don't want to hear the corporations are in charge. And then I got to hear way back in time, the CEO, but kind of playing the great part, who said, I need testing, testing. And, Joe, that's the answer to a lot of this. We do not have enough testing out there, okay? I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if the governor's telling me that we're testing more in New York than anybody else in the United States of America. Ain't buying it. I don't want to hear from the president telling us that we're testing more than any other country on the planet. Not true. So many questions right now regarding testing. People need to test. You want to open it up? I'm all for it, sooner than later. But show me a sign that anyone could get a test. We have to have it out there. If you want to test, you get a test. No charge, by the way. There's setters to kind of change here our scope of things. Testing must be ramped up up to the nth degree, and I'm talking immediately.
1: I'll tell you one thing is I believe in the United States of America. So what this has all shown us is that we just were wholly unprepared for this this war, right? So since nine eleven, we have really done a great job in terms of restructuring our national security uh, against terrorism, the war on terrorism, and we were focused on that being the greatest threat that we were facing. We did not, you know, over these last almost 20 years, we did not prepare at all from an infrastructure perspective, from a scientific perspective for, uh, for this virus and, and any other virus. And thank God, thank God, at least for now, thank God it hasn't been as deadly as the bubonic plague or the Spanish flu. But I will tell you, I do believe in the, uh, in the United States of America. I believe in all the states. You know we're going to go through phases because we've never done this before. We don't know what's needed. So when PPE was in a shortfall and needed, uh, we rallied. We rallied and we got PPE um, production going. When ventilators were potentially at an all-time shortfall, we rallied. We rallied and we lead production in, in terms of ventilators, uh, and we're going to be able to help our our, our global friends. With ventilators as well, because of our production there. I'm confident with testing that uh, now that now that now that we understand, because we didn't understand how this progressed, we didn't understand the drain on PPE was going to be needed, and we learned it. We ramped that up very quickly. We didn't understand the shortage of ventilators because we didn't prepare for this war, and when we learned it, we ramped that up very quickly. We didn't understand that testing was going to be necessary, and now that we understand that, I have full confidence that the United States of America is going to find the way to get the testing done that needs to be done. That's the beauty of being American. We, we always, always have the innovation and the ingenuity to be able to get things done. So, you know, I'm not too harsh on on being behind because we, we, we just aren't prepared. We don't know what we need. You know, I watched the uh, the president's briefing yesterday, and my, and my heart kind of went out to the Surgeon General a little bit because the, he was getting a really rough time uh, thrust on him about the use of masks, right, and, and, and the, that the Surgeon General and the CDC had, you know, had a uh, uh, reverse course on whether we should be wearing facial coverings or not. Initially, they said um, we shouldn't. It's not going to do anything to, uh, to prevent us from getting sick, and then they said that we should. Um, and, I, and I watched the Surgeon General answer that question very carefully, and he was very heartfelt and very honest about it, and he said we, we didn't know. We, we, we just didn't know. And the point is, just like you said, people can, be have, people can be asymptomatic and be transmitting it. And so the point of wearing facial coverings, initially they thought it was going to protect you from getting it, okay? but it didn't. It, it, that, that's not the way it worked. The point of the facial coverings is that it's going to prevent me from spreading it. Even if I feel fine, I may have symptoms, and so the barrier will help me spread it, so it will protect you from getting it from me. That's the reason for the new guidelines, and now that we understand that, we're ramping up mask production and everything else. But we live in such a gotcha climate. We live in such a, you know, wanting to make people look bad rather than just trying to get good information out there and good science out there. And, uh, and, I, and I thought he gave a great answer and a great explanation, and he said, I, re- I resent the implication, you know, that, that, we, uh, that we withheld information. We, we're doing the best we can, and I agree with that. So I believe in the United States of America, I believe that whatever the challenge is, we will rise and we will meet it. It's just so um, scary that we still don't know what the next challenge is going to be. It's testing today what's going to be the challenge of tomorrow. And I think that's what everybody's really, um, you know, furiously trying to figure out.
0: You know, information is key. Misinformation is not. Uh, Again, uh, I get mixed signals. From the White House the last couple of days, you know, Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, uh, opening up some non, uh, excuse me, yeah, some non essential businesses. Uh, That's tomorrow, by the way. And, you know, it's interesting to me that the president came to the mic and said he had a conversation with Governor Kemp and expressed his dissatisfaction with the notion of opening it up. Now, wasn't it the same Donald Trump who? When he unveiled, you know, wanting to open up America again and everything else, that if he did not like what he saw, he would get right on them, right on these governors, and he would absolutely take the, the reins. If you didn't like what Governor Kemp did as far as the decision-making, what are you saying? You told them you're not happy with it, but it, does it stop there? That's number one. Number two, if you're Governor Kemp, if you're Governor Brian Kemp, Joe, how do you not alert some of the other officials in your state? What's going on? I heard a couple of days ago, I heard the mayor of Atlanta saying she wasn't even consulted on this. And by the way, she didn't even agree with the notion of opening it up again. I'm talking about tattoo parlors and salons and everything else. Uh, I read. I was watching another governor, Rosewall, Georgia. Uh, the same situation uh, if you're gonna make a decision like this okay at least consult other state officials of that magnitude what your intention is that kind of bothered me a little bit what did you think on that? you know
1: so I I have to tell you I saw it just a, I saw it just a little bit different okay I think that... I think that the president actually did a good thing with with how he's handling Georgia. All right, and he needs that state to win, and and he got on his press conference yesterday. And there's, there's a listen, we could talk for days about the things he does at these press conferences that I think are, are terrible. But I actually thought he did a good job yesterday because he stressed he stressed that the governor's decision to reopen is, is something he totally disagrees with, and he stressed that. You know, tattoo parlors, hair salons, bike shops, he, he, he knows that that's his base. He knows that by getting on this press conference and and saying that he disagrees specifically with these industries, who are his base, Jay, those are the people that elected him into office. Okay? I thought he actually did a good service. I thought he was reaching out to those people saying, guys, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this. I think you guys are making a mistake. But it's the governor's call. And, uh, and I, and I, and I know, that, you know that that must have been an incredibly difficult um, position for him to take at that particular moment. But it gives me hope. It gives me hope that he, with, with all of his bloviating, it gives me hope that he is tuned into the science of this. He is tuned into the uh, economics of this. And that's why we need federal leadership right now helping small businesses stay afloat During this, Jay, helping them stay afloat during this. You know, and I agree with you to a certain extent, too, that the governor's contradicting perspective with the nursing homes, that he doesn't have the authority, is nonsense. He took the position that he has the authority to shut me down, okay? He took the position. He has the authority to shut me down and all of the non-essential businesses. He has that authority, Okay? He knows that the nursing homes are the most vulnerable. He has the authority to shut them down. He has the authority to lock them up and protect those people. So we can't have conflicting views. Okay? We just can't have conflicting views. It's almost like, to me, it's almost like I wish Cuomo would be driving the national health care plan to be saving lives and just letting Trump drive the national economic plan to, uh, to, be, to be helping our businesses. Because I don't think Trump has any idea what to do with help with, with the health care plan. I don't think he is interested in it with the health care plan. He's thinking about the economy. And I don't think Governor Cuomo has any interest in trying to revive the economy. He's just worried about the health care plan. Well we need both of those things to be happening simultaneously, and that's where I'm waiting for cohesiveness.
0: I guess my frustration is is more with Kemp, because you know, let's face it, Georgia, South Carolina, another state <laughs> They were one of the last to kind of crack down as far as shelter in place, that type of thing. And what really kind of rankled me a couple of weeks ago was I I don't think Kemp actually knew the magnitude of what was happening within the confines of his own state, and especially with the the CDC in his backyard in Atlanta. And it's almost as if he conveyed to me He wasn't even aware of that based on what was happening. So Kemp, I kind of question in general here. Now, listen, I'm an advocate of opening up Main Street. When safe to do so, though, I want to see Main Street open up before May 15th. We can't hang on anymore. I I absolutely am under that notion right now, 100,000%, especially when people aren't getting those checks, okay? They're not getting the stimulus checks, you know? Uh, Sal's Pizzeria in East Islip, Main Street, not getting his check for a while. All right? He's down to three empl- two employees if he's lucky. Those are the guys I'm worried about. But the thing with Georgia is I, I like the fact that you're aggressive. I like the fact that, you know, you're going to open up a little bit here as far as non-essentials are concerned. But you've got to do it safe. I want to make sure we have testing in place. I can't emphasize that enough. I just don't like some of the signals Kemp. Camp- was sending here. And the only thing I said with the president was, because he made such a statement as far as the pushback when he originally came out and said, listen, I'm opening up America. We got to open up America. We're not built for this. I get it. I get it. I get it. But if we don't like the way a governor is operating, if we disagree with them, we are going to pounce down hard. I felt maybe if you disagree with the decision of Kemp, you might take a little bit more action. I guess not. But at least... It was somewhat invigorating to hear this individual stating the fact he thought it was a little too soon. And I can't, we haven't seen that from Trump. It's un-Trump-like, pretty much. So that's, that was kind of my take on things. Now, let me give you another one. Mitch McConnell. What an absolute disgrace yesterday. And I thought the Peter King comment of calling McConnell the Marie Antoinette of the Senate, I mean that was so right on the ass and I comments that's the suggestion that states should just file bankruptcy in some cases Joe. and uh, and and get get the free money uh, really and and do do what with that free money master mitch uh give the uh, the police let's fund the fire department. Let's fund the, the hospital. We'll, we'll divvy out all the, the free money. I mean, could you imagine this? This is coming from a majority leader. I'll tell you one thing. I think the the tension and strain has gotten the McConnell to the point where he should kind of maybe step away when he's able to do so. And the other comment he made regarding blue states, that blue states, you know, it seemed to be, he, he kind of insinuated blue states are getting this. Really? So in essence, uh, this virus, this virus is political, right, Mitch? It, it just, you know, it, it goes to Democrats, it goes to the parties, it goes to the affiliations of that nature, not Republicans. You talk about politicizing. What an absolute disgraceful performance I heard out of Mitch McConnell yesterday.
1: Yeah, and that's so. It's a byproduct of two things that you mentioned. Number one. Jay, the stress is tremendous the the, the the stress that this country is feeling right now you know in, in my lifetime we haven't felt for this prolonged of a period of time I'm sure World War two World War one I'm sure all of those things the Great Depression I'm I'm sure that the, the country was tested and that's why they're the greatest generation I mean I said I have a hundred year old grandmother um, and even she I speak to her uh, all the time and even she is 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 unbelievably stressed she's aware of what's going on and and she's saying this is just the absolute worst. Um, so the stress is definitely, um, definitely out there. That was so. Just, just circling back, the press conference that the president gave, where he said he had total and absolute um, power, was probably the worst press conference that I've ever seen him give. And he's given some bad ones. And I saw the stress. I saw the stress on the president that day, um, big time. And those those dopey comments were not were not. Um, you know, just him being flip or hubris or anything else, it was just total stress. So they're all under tremendous stress, um, and I'm sure Mitch McConnell um, is under just as much stress. And the second part is politics. You know, the minority leader, Chuck Schumer, has been a barking dog at Mitch McConnell uh, for uh, forever. Uh, they don't get along. Uh, they don't like each other. And, uh, you know, and 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 Mitch McConnell's answer to Chuck Schumer is, go file bankruptcy. Uh, That's his cheap shot way uh, of doing it, you know, and and in in Mitch McConnell's world, he's he's playing politics to a certain extent and and sending a message to Mitch McConnell for the millions of people here in New York who are watching uh, their life's work disappear uh, every single day, who are losing loved ones uh, because of this virus, who who are getting sick, who are seeing increased domestic violence, increased mental health every single day at alarming rates who are unsure how they're going to make ends meet day to day, it was the most disgusting and despicable thing he could have have possibly said. We need hope right now. If we need anything out of elected leaders, anything, it's hope, okay? We need facts so we can make decisions, but we need hope. We need people that are saying we are going to do whatever it takes to make sure Americans are getting through this and being made as whole as possible, okay? We need fair planning. But we need hope. Now is not the time for these snide little political comments. It's it's absolutely disgusting. And I got to tell you, Pete King's analogy of Marie Antoinette couldn't have been couldn't have been better. Couldn't have been more spot on. It was the most tone deaf comment to date made by any politician. Go file for bankruptcy. You know, is that is that is that the message? So do you want the state to file for bankruptcy, telling all of us business people there's no hope? Just file for bankruptcy and call it quits. I mean, it's unbelievable that that's the messaging coming out of people right now.
0: Yeah, just moronic. Uh, and just to equate, as far as what King had meant, it was brilliant, brilliantly, brilliantly um, uh, stated. The Marie Antoinette of the Senate, of course, Marie Antoinette, former Queen of France during the Revo- French Revolution, and uh, uh, the comment directed to the peasants, let them eat cake or thereabouts. That's that's, that's what it was. Just a disgraceful, despicable uh as derogatory uh a comment as you could ever have in this uh in this day and age joe uh and i'll tell you one thing people have to remember people really have to remember what's going on you know one thing regarding these uh these briefings and i tell you that the president has had a lot of shining moments he has had also some adverse effects on me uh, i don't like to to always hear about the accolades and everything else. Uh, enough of the montages, please, as far as what was done in an appropriate fashion. We know what was done. All right. Just give me the facts of how we're dealing uh, with this uh, with this virus. So give me a little bit more of Fauci and Burks. at around five thirty in the evening, please. enough that was enough. These briefings are getting just uh, ad nauseum right now. And I'll tell you another thing. The press is despicable. It's the same five. You know the John Carls of ABC, the Paula Reed's of CBS. Thank God she's not there lately. Uh, the uh, Jim Acosta's of CNN, uh, the Peter Alexander's of, of NBC. The 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 only uh, the only w- way of uh, of of being successful at a press conference, these individuals, is to try and trip up the President of the United States and lure him in uh, to a little bit of a catfight here. Okay. There's no time for this nonsense right now. The time right now is to give us the facts and let us know what in the heck is going on. That's what we need. We need to be educated and we need to be informed. And sometimes we go off the tracks with this stuff and I don't want to see it anymore.
1: It's it's absolutely horrible what's gone on in this country and you know it's it's chicken and egg it's chicken and egg right now jay you know in good times uh, you know, and, and throughout his entire career, Donald Trump is a master negotiator. And to be a master negotiator, sometimes the facts are played fast and loose, and uh, and that's that's been his whole career. That's been his career as a as a as a president. He's exaggerated things throughout uh, throughout it. Um, the press has been antagonistic. Uh, clearly hate him. They clearly hate him with a passion. These 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 news outlets. They hate they hate the man with a passion. Um, you know, which is terrible because he, he is the president of the United States and he's representing the office of the presidency. So there should be some some uh, deference there. He makes it very difficult. Um, and you just don't know it's chicken and egg. But it, who loses in this whole thing? Who loses are the American people, right? Because we, we, we have to sit and now try and decipher what are the facts. You know, and facts are facts. You can spin them any way you want. You can, you can lie about them any way you want. Facts are facts. And right now, facts are the only thing that are going to save our lives. Facts are the only things that are going to save our business. And instead of just having confidence that we're getting facts, irrespective of which news we're, we're reading or, or watching, we then have to decipher as to whether we're getting facts or not. What I have to do, Jay, what I do every single day, okay, is I read the New York Times and I read the Wall Street Journal. And somewhere in the middle... Or where I find my facts. I mean, it's unbelievable. I can't even watch the, the 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 cable news shows because they're not they're not even news shows anymore. They are uh, they're they're propaganda stations that are promoting one side over the other. That's all they really are. And they're using facts to spin to promote. So I look at the Wall Street Journal. I look at I look at the New York Times. I look at Newsday every day. Those are the three papers I read. And somewhere in between all of that are the facts.
0: I only got a couple of minutes left. Give me something positive here. By the way, I'll tell you something positive you did. You set up that great hotline, resource hub, and everything else for businesses, right? How's that going?
1: Yeah, Jay, so positive is, again, I, I believe in, in the American spirit. I believe in the New York toughness uh, more than anything. You know, in, in all the pain that's out there every single day, every single day, I see people, uh, people stepping up. With our coronavirus hotline, we've helped hundreds of businesses navigate through these times. Hundreds. We did it for no charge, and we're uh, we're happy to do it. We've we've mobilized, um, uh, you know, healthcare worker amenities, uh, lotion, gum, water, everything to get the healthcare workers at Stony Brook University. Long Island Care is our charitable foundation. has uh, has spearheaded that, and the, and the response has been uh, amazing. You know, there is there is light there is light there we just have to get there together but you know as difficult as things are as much stress as people are under um people are still good we're fundamentally good we're working hard we're not perfect we're making mistakes we're making tough choices we're not sure what to do we're doing our best and it's not it's not pretty all the time but uh but we are doing our best jay and i really have a lot of a uh, uh, great hope a uh, great faith and uh, and i really love the uh, long island business community
0: I'll tell you this much. We use the word leadership a lot. We not only want to see leadership, we want to see great leadership. And I know one thing. I'm talking to a great leader right now. You stay in there, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Jay. Be well. There you go. Great Campolo, Middleton, and McCormick.